Hello. Hey, hey, how are you? Oh, I'm fine. Thank you very much. How are you? Very good, very good. Here it comes, yet another Beam Twitter space. Indeed, indeed. A big, a, a big in crypto the last oh, week. Oh, yeah, my God. So many things happened. And we're was, going to talk about some of them. Yeah, there was a couple of weeks there where there was some moment of like uh, peacefulness. Not too many bad things happening. Not too many craziness. Not too much craziness about, but back into it. <laughs> yes, this week kind of uh, fixed it. Yeah. yeah, it was probably a calm, calm little moment before the storm. Yeah. Um, so one thing that I just wanted to kind of mention before, like everybody joins in, about the Twitter Spaces itself, right? There is like some mystery about how many people are actually joining live during the, the show. The amount of people that I see on my screen is different from what the statistics from self say. And it's very yeah. strange. I like this. We've, we've discussed this a bit. And, and every, every time we do, everyone has different like f people showing that are listening and different like statistics on how many people there are. And I've, I've joined from like my personal account uh, on my desktop. And it's shown me completely different stuff to what I see on my mobile. It's strange. Yeah, it seems like two different teams are working on uh, mobile and uh, uh, desktop features and they're not kind of in sync. <laughs> yeah. I used to say that Elon would fix that, but, you know, he kind of, I think, back, backed up now. Yeah, it, what happened there? He bailed on He bailed on the deal or whatever, right? Yeah, I think there was some kind of, uh, uh, you know... Uh, dispute about whether Twitter presents correct statistics of how many real people they have like versus bot accounts. And uh, he, he claimed that he was presented incorrect information, something like that. Uh, yeah, but uh, I don't know, like I didn't dig into Excel, but it doesn't seem like uh, the purchase is happening for now. Okay, yeah, makes sense. <laughs> Yeah, so um, this week we have an official topic that we have announced, uh, which is going to be like physical NFTs, so like NFTs in, in real life. Uh, but before we, we got, get to that, um, there were some events that we just cannot, uh, you know, omit or not talk about that happened last week. Uh, two hacks that we will discuss. The first one is the Nomad Bridge. You heard about that one? Yeah. So what was interesting about that hack, there were two, two things that were interesting. Like we know that bridges get hacked a lot. It's a very well-known kind of weak spot, very scary. But this specific hack uh, was different. First of all, because the hack itself was kind of described in the audit report. And uh, whoever was reading it like thoroughly, uh, this issue that was eventually exploited was mentioned, but it was not... Uh, emphasized and it was not kind of considered a critical vulnerability at that moment yeah i think they even labeled it as like low risk kind of in the yeah. audit report yeah because like yeah it's not always like immediately uh, obvious what you can do with it and how you can exploit it but somebody did find the way to exploit it obviously and the second point that made it this hack kind of interesting is that people piled on so they they recognized the 
the transaction that was draining the bridge. And yeah. they uh, started copy pasting it, replacing the address so, you know, with their own wallet. And uh, I understand you watched this in, in real time, right? Yeah, it was, it was crazy. I watched it unfolding in real time and <laughs> uh, and it was it was chaos like I, I was in a few groups and they were talking about it and talking about like what was happening and talking about how easy it was for like anyone to replicate <clears throat> and and as it seemed out as it turned out it was a matter of like going into to the like initial attackers transaction and copying the data and for the call data for the transaction input and firing it off and and obviously making out with some coins that are probably not meant to go to your wallet uh but it was really really fascinating like watching a decentralized like bank robbery yeah it, it, it reminds me like all of these scenes in movies when like in the casino the suddenly the lights go out and everybody starts grabbing things you know cheats money whatever they can put their hands on yeah As, that was something like that but uh in in crypto yeah and there was like people there was like accounts that obviously had ens addresses and one was like <laughs> there was one that had previously like hacked another protocol and in some way i think it was a flash loan attack can't remember the exact protocol. There was the three watermelon emoji guy that that made off with some quite quite chaotic. Hmm. I wonder what's the process like, like with these people later, especially if you know exactly who it was. Yeah, well, there was like a, a bunch of people that kind of like uh, quickly backtracked. And I mean, I, I prefaced this with like, I didn't, and I didn't do anything. I was watching it, but didn't like attempt to do it. Even if I tried, I wouldn't have any idea, even though it was very simple. Uh, but I did see many people tweeting out, like quickly backstepping and saying like, please here, I took it to safe, keep it for you. You can have it back now and don't oh, send the FBI oh, to my house and this kind nice, of stuff. <laughs> nice thing. I stole it, stole it from you. Yeah, yeah. And I think the Nomad Bridge guys even gave, even offered a bounty, 10% or something like this, for anyone that returned funds. It was a crazy amount of money. It was like $150 million. It was like, unbelievable. A huge amount. And this is like a, a trend that we're seeing is like bridges getting hacked and also the amount that they're getting hacked for being huge, huge amounts of yeah, because it's basically a, like a repository of all tokens that were transferred like from one chain to another, all sitting in one centralized location. Yeah, it's very scary. Yeah. Um, so the second hack was also very interesting, and it was on Solana. And uh, the first kind of news that started appearing is that uh, Solana is uh, hacked, and the the people just started notice, noticing that money disappears from their wallets it was like yeah. not from a protocol or like a bridge or some you know smart contract with some tvl but it was just you had your money in the wallet your coins like solana coins and suddenly they're gone and it yeah. was a lot of confusion uh it took relatively long time in my opinion to figure out what happened uh and uh, luckily the total amount stolen was not uh like so it, it was large, right? It was like five or six million dollars, but it was not like extreme. 
Um, one interesting thing that happened during this process is that people started DDoSing uh, Solana uh, nodes, like uh, uh, RPC nodes, to slow down the hacker. So he will have a harder time uh, making transactions and uh, transferring the, the coins from the wallets. Yeah, I and I, I didn't like uh, read up and confirm this, but I saw talk about like the Solana validator guys, I guess that or guys and girls or whatever, uh, like blacklisting the hacker's address. Did you hear anything about this? Uh, no, no, but I, I didn't like maybe we missed it. Uh, but yeah, like it seems, it seems like plausible. If they had an idea where this was, this was coming from, they would try to kind of prevent that. Yeah. But uh, the aftermath, like when they kind of figured out what the issue was, uh, this is something that is even more interesting in my opinion. So first of all, uh, turned out the, the problem was not in the Solana blockchain. Uh, but rather in one of the wallets that uh, is widely used to access Solana. And uh, uh, that one was called, what was the name? Uh, the Slope. Slope, or the other one. yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so there are kind of two key wallets that are mainly used, Phantom and Slope. And uh, here is what happened. And this is very important story, in my opinion, that everybody should know and everybody should kind of think about because of several reasons. So first of all, it was not actually a hack. It was just the fact that this slope wallet accidentally sent the secret key of the user to a centralized monitoring server as, that was used as part of this kind of uh, widely used package, uh, you know, just a library that a lot of software uses. And uh, Basically, what it does, it reports things like, uh, you know, keep alive, that everything is okay, send statistics and stuff like that. And as part of those statistics, it sent the entire kind of information, including the secret key. Yeah. Now, this is, uh, first of all, is something that, no, that does not only happen in crypto. Uh, there were, and like, fairly recently, uh, and also in the past, uh, a lot of kind of attempts to trade malicious code into libraries that are then used in certain products. And uh, when they're used, basically they leak information. They can leak information from the build process. They can leak information from runtime environments and, you know, real like uh, live software. But what makes this specific case uh, important is, first of all, that like, yeah, it, it kind of sends the secret information, right? And it's not cool. It's not okay at all. But also the fact that this wallet is not open source. And when, when I first, like you told me like, that it wasn't, like I said, it cannot be. And then we checked. And indeed, both Solana wallets, both the Phantom and the Slope, they're not open source, even yeah. though they're non-custodial. It's, yeah. it's, it's crazy, right? That neither, at least like these are the two wallets that, seem like the the most kind of prevalent especially phantom in the solana ecosystem and neither of them are open source yeah and first of all uh first of all it's crazy that they're not open source it's crazy yeah. and uh, there is absolutely no like no logical explanation for that no and the second point is that this uh this fact that they're not open source was not widely discussed during the 
you know, analysis and like post-mortem of that hack, uh, everybody talked about how these libraries got infiltrated with malicious code and how it's not good, but nobody said, wait a minute, if only this was open source, like more eyes could have examined it, people could have noticed that maybe, you know, and like, wh why aren't they? What's the point here? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it it doesn't really make sense, at least in my opinion, to have like any non-custodial wallet that isn't open source. It's almost like you're just blindly trusting them. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, for absolutely no like good reason. It's not like there is something yeah. there that, and and like as we saw over the last week, very very like dangerous kind of practice to to be involved with. Absolutely. So first of all, uh, people do build uh, their own software, like serious people who, you know, uh, do serious working in crypto or many other, uh, you know, work with open source software. They, they prefer to build themselves in order to avoid all of these different issues that can uh, be found while you're using pre-built binaries, right? So, for example, like in, in Beam, all of the exchanges or these many exchanges, uh, I know they build their own binaries. Uh, they don't trust even those that like are sent by us, even though they're signed by the company. Because why? Why should you? Right? You have the source. You can you know download like this specific version, build it yourself, and be sure that it doesn't contain anything outside of the source that you can see. And this is very important. So. Uh, obviously, most people do not do that, or like regular users, but at least benefit from the effort to do this, right? And some, if somebody builds uh, the, like their own build and then detects discrepancies between the behavior or any other kind of aspect of the software that he built and uh, the, you know, the one delivered as binaries, they would report it and they would, uh, you know, publish this information. So they will say, wait a minute, there is some problem here because I built it and it behaves differently. It does something. So yeah, it's it's like a very, uh, in my opinion, bad practice to use closed source wallets uh, or any other like closed source crypto related software, uh, especially if there is no good reason for it. Yeah, yeah. And this was like the big thing. There's especially in the like I think I think uh Slope was like primarily a mobile wallet. Is that right? Yeah, Slope was mobile and they also had a browser extension. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean like it, there's no good reason for it to be closed source, especially when it's a non custodial wallet for like everyday users to, to be using. And I think this is why when it was happening when like the hack was taking place that it was very there was a lot of confusion and people were saying it was this and that and all kinds of things but there was no like people couldn't nail down exactly what the issue was yeah so like just to conclude this topic uh, there are two questions here which i am like kind of personally interested in first of all is there any uh, responsibility for the providers of these wallets considering open source and there was not a chance like to to notice these issues that's kind of the first question like obviously you know every uh, ends agreement says that it's an experimental software and uh, you know use it at your own risk and all that but i wonder if there is a difference in this case between open source which says listen this is the source take a look build it do whatever you want uh, and here this the final product that you have to use that's the first question i had 
And the second question I have, and it was also kind of asked a lot in discussions, uh, were about it. Like, what is the Solana? Like, what's the Solana's blame here, right? Like, everybody said, wait a minute. Even though all of the headlines said Solana was hacked, in actuality, Solana was not hacked. Solana is fine. The wallet was hacked, and this wallet is using, like, uh, you know, is used with Solana blockchain. So it's like not their fault, which is absolutely correct in my opinion. Uh, but still, I think it had uh, kind of an additional uh, negative impact on Solana reputation, all, all, all the same. Yeah. Um, uh, also, it's interesting. I, I don't know. Is there such a thing as like official Solana wallet or like a reference implementation or, or is it just um, third parties? I'm not sure, actually. Yeah. If anybody knows uh, the answer to that, please speak up and also speak up in general if you want to say anything. Uh, but yeah, I think these two questions are interesting to me because um, uh, I, I, I think that this is kind of um, an opportunity to make things better for the future and avoid these situations. Yeah, absolutely. If you, yeah, if you would kind of uh, uh, you know create some kind of I don't know uh, best practice, right, around how to how to use wallets, how to produce wallets, and uh, I think it can be much better than this specific case for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And two, two very good like questions that like not easily under, not easily answered. But uh, as Alex mentioned, like if you do have any insights or input that you want to share, uh, not just on this, but at any point throughout the space, throw your hand up and we'll, we'll get you in to ask any questions or give some insights. Absolutely. Okay, so now let's um, uh, move to our main story tonight, uh, which is about NFTs and specifically uh, kind of uh, physical uh, real-life NFTs. And uh, what triggered uh, this story for, for us uh, in this case is this uh, collection produced by Tiffany with the punks. Yeah. Uh, did you order one already? <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, no, I didn't. I I don't actually have a crypto punk anymore so i was not allowed one but even if i was i don't know if i i would have to be honest uh you mean you don't have this necessity to kind of go out into the real world wearing a punk just kind of to make yeah. sure I mean, everybody like, knows uh, yeah i don't know i couldn't think of anything worse i i don't think uh i don't think it would suit my style <laughs> Um, I, I thought about it like uh, since this this is a necklace, you can twist it and and then it can serve you for both types. You no, know, there are those that are looking right and those that are looking left. I learned recently. True. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so it's uh, it's actually a bargain. You get one uh, Tiffany necklace and uh, you get both pumps at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> you can represent. Yeah. Um, so this, this kind of um, uh, this was the trigger, right? And it was very uh, widely. Uh, talked about uh, event, um, and uh, we have decided to do this kind of investigation about different uses for us, which of them are kind of make more sense or less sense or more interesting and less interesting. And uh, uh, let's start with the kind of broad, uh, short, but broad kind of overview of my personal opinion about this NFT space. So first of all, 
you can say that NFTs are like going up or down, but you cannot deny the fact that it's it's a phenomenon that occurred and is still occurring, uh, cannot be ignored by any means. And I think the main reason that uh, this kind of specific uh, kind of application of NFTs as these uh, avatars on your like social media and in general like galleries of people who purchase them, uh, it exploded because, in my opinion, of two reasons. First of all, uh, NFTs added a lot of color to the world of the world of blockchain. Like before, NFTs was very uh, gray and kind of mathematical and financial. So it was all about kind of technology or like financial things. And NFTs suddenly opened it to, first of all, a much uh, wider uh, audience of people who are not in finance or technology. And yeah. uh, they are uh, most more like related to art or to design or to like aesthetics of any kind. Uh, and I think it produced very quickly a lot of interesting, uh, not exactly, I wouldn't consider this like art form like per se, but it did produce a lot of interesting um, applications and designs and concepts uh, that caught the eye that were like fairly, uh, you know, good looking and uh, definitely attention and uh, uh, a lot of people wanted to to have those. Uh, in, it was also very easy to do, right? You don't, you're sitting at home at your computer, you don't need to go to any gallery or store or whatever, and you can participate in the airdrops or in the auctions. Uh, so it was widely available. And uh, I think that was, it was very nice. So immediately this entire space got much more colorful and beautiful and uh, uh, aesthetic. And the second point was that uh, it's much more difficult to make impression when you are on the internet. So in the real life, you can, you know, put on your gold Rolex and then, uh, you know, drive your uh, Rolls Royce or Bentley or Mercedes or Lamborghini or whatever, and wear an Armani suit and everybody knows you're rich. But when you're on Twitter or when, when you are on Telegram or wherever, it's like, it's much more difficult. Like, what are you going to do? Post your picture, like with the Rolls Royce in the background. What's 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 the best way to show everyone I'm not like you? I'm you know much better off. Um, and this this was kind of the point that people achieved, and uh, uh, they started putting avatars on on, you know, on the Twitter accounts even before Twitter had this official integration. Like, and yeah, that was the part in in the history where. Uh, people would argue, is it the same thing as buying an uh, NFT of a punk or just, you know, uh, copy-pasting an image? Uh, so, so yeah, Twitter thankfully made it official that if you if you actually do uh, purchase an avatar, they will provide the link. And by the way, the link is to OpenSea, uh, which I don't think is a good thing, but at and, least and it's... Yeah, Twitter, if I understand correctly, at least initially, I'm not sure if it's still the case. Not only is the link to OpenSea, but Twitter is also using the OpenSea API for their like uh, NFT data. Or yes, I okay. think I think they do. Yeah. Uh, so it's not like they integrate with the blockchains directly. It's all done through OpenSea, mm -hmm. uh, which is much simpler for them, but less decentralized in a way. Yeah. Um, even though decentralization of NFTs is kind of another topic for another time, but uh, there are also a lot of open questions there. Uh, like, can you consider decentralized an NFT whose image is stored on a Google Cloud, you know, somewhere? 
Yeah, exactly. And and another like uh, I mean, I firstly I say like I completely agree with how much color NFTs added to to the crypto space, and they've made it. They've, like at least like how I felt when it first started is they added a lot of fun. Like before, it was kind of study this, study that, read the fundamentals, and I mean like often the fundamentals also didn't matter. Uh, <laughs> And and then we had kind of like the meme coins and the dog season and, and this kind of stuff. And, and I feel like uh, this kind of gave gave a real insight into what any of this means. And, and a lot of it's about the community and, and NFTs are kind of an extension of that with pretty pictures and, and art and, and PFPs and this kind of stuff. And like you mentioned, it's a perfect like digital kind of equivalent of flexing your wealth or or whatever it's called yeah so uh okay so like outside of these kind of uh, uh you know two main purposes of having something nice and uh, also uh, at the same time showing off uh, uh, to your peers um let's start with kind of the more the more conventional in a way or like the first uses of nfts as representatives of physical uh, art, right? Yeah. So I think the um, among the first who did something like that was David. Right? Yeah. Uh, and uh, what what he did was can, can you explain like what was the idea? Yeah, absolutely. He he came up with the he in 2016, I think it was. He painted a bunch of roughly A4 sized pieces of paper with dots and almost everyone is exactly the same but at the same time it's very different uh almost like a uh, a dollar bill they all look Mm -hmm. the same but then they have kind of their like unique identification number uh and the i call them dots that's not the name the the name for them is like the currency the currency yeah (laughs) yeah and they have like obviously if you look at them at a glance they're all pretty much exactly the same but then on like a closer inspection they have like their own unique kind of dot pattern and and this kind of stuff and all have different names and also uh like a uh, unique ids uh and he did this in 2016 and then i think about a little over a year ago actually uh, they launched as NFTs and and sold ten thousand, I think it was. Uh, wow. And then after you after you bought the NFT, you had like a one year one year window to decide if you wanted to keep the NFT or burn the NFT uh, and get the physical copy of your like matching uh, artwork. And so you could either decide that or you could keep the NFT and they would burn the the artwork that kind of coordinates to it. Uh, and I think that this one year, I, I know that this one year window <laughs> closed maybe a week or a week and a half ago. Uh, and interestingly, at least in my opinion, was that it was almost like bang on 50-50 of the NFTs were burnt and 50% of the NFTs were uh, mm. kept, kept as NFTs. I think that it was slightly like in favor of the the physicals. Interesting. 
it's it's kind of uh, at the same time an interesting social experiment, right? Like pre- preference for physical and digital copies. Yeah, absolutely. And I and I did see like an article in I don't even know which which uh, publisher it was, but it, but it was like a very like in favor of traditional art, and they were saying that like there was a resounding preference for for this mm. traditional art over NFTs. But then if you looked like closer at the actual numbers, it was like very very small difference interesting and each one cost like two thousand dollars right the initially when they sold them it was two thousand dollars yeah I, I think. And, and they went in, up in price since then i think they they kind of, they went up and down and up and as nfts do <laughs> uh and i think there was even a few that were at some auction like the physicals a few of the physicals were sold at auction houses i think one like was sold by phillips and one was sold at at christie's uh Mm. and these i can't remember exactly but i think one of them sold for like fifteen thousand either dollars or or pounds or something like this and at the time I i remember seeing this was a while ago and i remember seeing someone saying like oh there's a like because it was more than the the NFT was worth. And I remember someone saying on Twitter, like, oh, there's a 30 or 40% arbitrage on the <laughs> NFTs versus the auction. And I thought, uh, I don't know if this guy's like trolling or if he's, if he's like uh, a bit yeah. overexcited. There, there can be a problem with liquidity on that one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I... And I think that this was like one of the most interesting parts about like exchanging it for a physical one, because then you kind of like, yeah, you get a physical painting or whatever it's called, but you kind of have to forfeit that easy liquidity that you find Mm -hmm. like in crypto and and specific, well, in in NFTs. Amazing. Yeah, that's very, very cool uh, story. And like, it's not probably the only one, like there are, several projects that uh, link uh, NFTs with kind of like physical works of art, I think. Yeah. Um, and um, so this is, yeah, this is a great uh, use. It's like fairly straightforward. Like you have a work of art, the same thing in digital form and physical form. And this is kind of the um, form transition, if you will, right? So you, you, you can transition it from one form to another. Um, another kind of interesting field is like products that have, their own like price and usage, but combined with an NFT. Uh, so one one of the first uh, weird examples of that that I saw uh, was uh, with Bulgari's watch. So Bulgari created the thinnest watch uh, back in when was it? Um, I think in April something. But uh, the thing the thing is that since then this record was broken, right? So there is okay, yeah. even even thinner watch uh, since then. Uh, but this one is pretty thin. I don't remember exactly, but it's like 1.5 or 1.7 millimeters uh, in thickness. So it's a very thin watch. Mm, wow. Um, yeah, it's you, you cannot really wear it on your arm because it will just, you know, uh, break very quickly uh, or get, yeah. yeah. It's not for wearing. It's for putting it in a very nice box in the center of your collection. Uh, it costs then- something like $40,000. Yeah, 400, I'm sorry, 400,000 euro. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry, oh, I wow. missed the zero here. Yeah, <laughs> uh, you, you can you can immediately understand that it's all the same to me. 
yeah it's it's prime <laughs> it's pr- primary use case is telling everyone that you own the world's thinnest watch yeah, yeah, for, yeah. That, exactly. for that period yeah. of time <laughs> it's like uh, it's like in this show um uh, the succession uh, where uh, he presents this very expensive like Patek Philippe watch and says every time you look at it it tells you exactly how rich you are <laughs> yeah. that's yeah that's the point uh but this watch was combined with an nft so on the back of this watch there was a qr code that okay. linked to an nft and people were really confused about this one because like, what's the point here? I mean, okay, like after you spend 400,000 euro for this watch, you also get like something which, what? Like, what's the meaning of that? And this was kind of uh, an attempt by Bulgari to create, uh, you know, kind of additional hype maybe, or like uh, maybe appeal to a younger audience, even though millionaires or whomever, like they say, uh, I bought this like thinnest watch in the world. Yeah, but did you get an NFT with that? <laughs> yeah, the world's thinnest uh, NFT. Uh, yeah, I mean, okay, so prob- probably it was kind of targeted for crypto uh, billionaires or whomever. Um, obviously, there is a Lamborghini with an NFT. Yeah, and turns out like, uh, I I saw the someone shared it to me the other the other week, and they said like. Sign up for this. So you a Lamborghini NFT. Uh, yeah, but but I think the, the the Lambo NFT, you cannot trade the NFT for a physical, nor do you get like a, a physical Lambo delivered to your house or whatever. Yeah. So you kind of, uh, you need to collect them, you need to create a, co- a collection of several of them. Uh, and then you receive some puzzle piece. So there is some story behind behind them. Okay, nice. Um, and uh, I think like you don't get a Lamborghini with your NFT, obviously, but uh, uh, it's more about kind of this, uh, uh, I think, brand awareness or uh, uh, this kind of gamification of brand awareness, let's say, right? Yeah, and I mean, it, it makes like, at first for all of this like stuff, about brand awareness and, and marketing with like these big kind of, especially luxury kind of brands, uh, it kind of confused me. But if I, if I, well, once I thought about it more, it makes perfect sense. Like you can buy a Lamborghini like to scale that is very small and, and have it on your bookshelf or whatever. Uh, you can have like a, a Louis Vuitton book about bags. I mean, it's, it's kind of like a, uh, it's a collectible essentially a, lo- a lot of these nfts and this kind of stuff and collectibles yeah. have been massively successful in the the real world so it only makes sense that collectibles are also successful uh digitally and to do so like nfts makes perfect sense for that to to kind of thrive did you collect by the way when you were younger did you collect I- something I collected many things, but the the two that kind of stand out, uh, I collect, this probably shows my age, I collected uh, Dragon Ball Z cards and also Pokemon cards. These were my my kind of go-to wow. collections. Wow, amazing. No, since I'm probably a little bit, uh, a little bit older than you, 
Uh, and I also uh, was, uh, when I was a child, I was in the Soviet Union, a country which does no longer exist, uh, even though there are attempts to revive it. Uh, but uh, uh, I collected stamps. Yeah, these are a big one, right? Yeah, it's like huge. Uh, but um, uh, there is something that I collected that is much more funnier than stamps. Um, I collected... You know, there were these like kind of cartoons inside uh, chewing gums. Like you would open a chewing gum and there was this kind of like piece of comics inside. I don't, but we had like similar, we had like those kind of those temporary like tattoos that came in chewing gum or, or candy and this kind of stuff. Yeah. So I can ima imagine it. Okay. In, in certain types of chewing gum, uh, there was in like, there was a chewing gum uh, and it was, uh, kind of wrapped in irregular kind of, uh, you know, pa not paper, like plastic or whatever it was. And inside there was a picture of, let's say there was uh, a car, like there was this kind of one called Turbo or something. I think it was produced in uh, in uh, uh, Turkey. And um, there was a picture of a car, different car each time, uh, you know, like cool stuff, sports cars and stuff like that. And... Uh, uh, it was relatively rare, like in the places where, where I was, looks rare. Uh, and, uh, <laughs> and yeah, like we, we collected those and we traded them. Uh, and, you know, if you had something which was like very rare, you could demand to trade it for like 10 of others or, or stuff like that. So it was a real marketplace back in when I was, I don't know, seven or eight. Uh, yeah. yeah, weird stuff. So back to, back to NFTs. Um, like the real nice thing about the Lamborghini one is that in, in their case, in the end, you get uh, to attend a reveal of a new model. Like if you collect you... all of them, yeah, they invite you to some uh, secret. Uh... Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. You get like invited to the to the workshop showroom, I guess it's called, so that you can yeah. like see the un unveiling of a new model. Yeah, and this wow. brings us to this very interesting topic of collecting NFTs for an experience. And I understand that you, you had the rocket. Yeah, I I have a story. I I have not. I have an almost experience. Like a, I have the <laughs> digital experience. But yeah, there was there was a a project by Tom Sachs, who is a artist. I think based in New York, uh, and he worked done some stuff with like Nike and and this kind of stuff. Very like fun art, and he had a project that was. Uh, aptly named Tom Sachs Rocket Factory, and <laughs> and it was quite a quite a like one of the funnest things that I've done in the NFT space. Anyway, he they kind of launched and and had an initial like offering or whatever it's called to NFTs, uh, and you could mint three like NFTs for anyone that was whitelisted or or whatever. And one was a like it it was it was kind of funny right from the beginning. It was NFT and it was nose, fuselage, and tail. Uh, and if you like, when you minted three of them, maybe you got two noses and a tail, or a fuselage and and two tails, or whatever. So it almost kind of uh, encouraged you to do what you mentioned before about like trading with the other people that mm -hmm. also have them. Uh, which, like, a side note, this was one of the things that I always noticed was, like, a very big, like, kind of uh, criticism of NFTs 
was that it was just people trading like with themselves, like within the community. And I mean, okay, but this is like people that collect like uh, antique cars also trade with other people that collect antique cars. Right. Anyway, uh, but like a very, very strange criticism. Uh, but yeah, you got three pieces of a rocket and you had to like trade around to make or, or to get the nose, the fuselage and the tail. And, and then they gave you the opportunity to kind of combine pieces, all three NFTs, uh, and in return, get an NFT of the like rocket that you made up. Uh, and then after this, they gave you like a bunch of opportunities to have your rocket launched. And they like, they made up the uh physical rocket like a very small kind of uh 20 centimeters tall rocket attached like uh i don't know what they attached but some kind of like firework kind of blasting thing they shot them in the air retrieved <laughs> them <laughs> put them in like a, a glass case and and sent them to your house and and this was also like an experience i didn't have the pleasure of like going to one but there was like the opportunity to sign up to launch your rocket and also like attend the rocket launch and, and push the button to launch it and this kind of stuff. But very like fun. Yeah. So now I'm, now I'm the proud owner of two physical, <laughs> physical rockets. <laughs> uh, that's really creative. Like uh, I, I really like it. Yeah. Um, it was, it was so much fun. And I don't know who, I can't remember the exact name of like the company that they worked for that helped on the like NFT technology kind of side, but they did do a really amazing job at like with the contracts and like how each kind of thing worked together and this kind of stuff it was really cool. Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree. Like the execution of this campaign is, uh, has also huge impact on the overall experience and uh, the fact that you get some something interesting in return like you get to see or whatever that's uh, you know it's it's amazing yeah very cool so I, I i really like it when this like when nfts they serve kind of um as in like not as a uh thing in and of itself you know just for having the nft but also have some additional kind of use cases like for example they give you access to some secret club that only people who own this nft can access mm-hmm. um and um there were some interesting projects uh, that uh, I heard about. Like um, I did, I don't know. It was an idea, uh, you know, uh, kind of startup stage when I heard about it. Uh, I don't know how many of those actually happened, but the idea was that you buy an NFT uh, which sponsors some kind of useful thing. Like for example, you can buy an NFT of a paper, right? Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. So you instead of just, you know, giving a donation, right? Like I just donated, I don't know, a thousand dollars to some university, you buy an NFT, which is obviously the same as donation, but then um, you kind of own, uh, you know, not really own, you don't really own any IP or any kind of real thing, but you own uh, a part of sponsor of some specific research. And then you have these bragging rights of saying, oh, I actually contributed to this cancer research, which is like very important because it allowed to develop this drug. And here I have an NFT uh, to show that, right? 
to commemorate yeah. this, this event. Uh, and here also we have a lot of kind of additional um, possibilities for gamification. Uh, I don't know if this project like uh, is really happening, but it's, it's a very interesting idea in general to use NFTs uh, for this purpose. Yeah, I think it's it, I think it's a really great idea, especially because often like some of these research centers and this kind of stuff, they struggle in a way, uh, or some of them struggle with like funding and, and fundraising and this kind of stuff. Yeah, look, uh, uh, they can always use use help. So um, another good example, like fairly. Uh, you know, uh, like not not very very uh, rare, but it happened several times. Uh, is producing like, for example, very um, re like rare and exotic whiskies and uh, uh, other like the tequila. There was with an NFT, right? But you basically buy an NFT that uh, gives you a right to convert it to a bottle of like very rare, like one hundred and fifty bottle edition of uh, premium quality tequila. Yeah. Um, so there was this and a couple of, uh, I think the most uh, impressive one was uh, for me was this Glenfiddich $18,000 super rare whiskey, 46 years old, uh, that yeah. you, could, you could buy as an NFT. Yeah. Um, did, did you buy it? Because I know that you're a very, uh, a, a, a big fan of whiskey. Yeah, there was one <laughs> problem with that. Um, <laughs> I, I almost bought the whiskey, but there was this problem with this uh, Eighteen thousand dollar part. Yeah, yeah. I went for the no, the no NFT version. I think, I think if I did that, like my wife would like cut me into really small pieces and bury it <laughs> inside, inside this bottle. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, especially if I bought it as an NFT. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, even though she, she still walks with the step in uh, shoe, you know, I, I told her it's dead, but she, she doesn't believe me. Oh yeah, I yeah, <laughs> I have no comments on the step in shoes. <laughs> but I but I think like as as bad as like the it went after the initial kind of like hype phase. I think it's a, a kind of cool concept uh that just so happened to be very like Ponzi esque in its like economic model and this kind of stuff. But I think that it's cool to see various different like, experiments with NFTs, whether it's with art, uh, whether it's incorporating physical, like in real life activities or components and this kind of stuff. Or like you said, helping fundraising for uh, research centers or to fund scientific papers or just getting people to walk. <laughs> I think it's all yeah. very cool. And, and uh, this is, this is definitely like it, it not necessarily goes into this, uh, you know, physical NFT, but it, it's definitely an honorable mention uh, yeah. when NFTs are used properly uh, in games and like for gamification purposes or to represent some kind of experiences. Uh, I think you, you told me about this project called DECA, right? DECA Art? Yeah, yeah. It looks amazing. Yeah, it's it's really cool. Uh, I just checked it out a few days ago and, and did some stuff, played around on it. They give you like a free NFT for signing up and getting you to do some tasks and then you can kind of level up your NFT uh, and it changes form. I forget the I, – I should have written it down. It was a strange name, so I've forgotten it. 
the NFT was like, uh, I think it's generative art from one of the guys that did one of the like, uh, not first, but like season one of the art blocks. If you remember, that was that was quite mm. big with generative art and this kind of stuff. But it's really the platform seems cool, and like uh, one of the things that we've mentioned in the past is about this like non financialized versions of like nfts and and web3 specifically and and how these can kind of play wider ecosystem and and empower like users more yeah that's that's very interesting i didn't play with it yet uh but uh i think i will it looks uh, enticing you know yeah it's fun and and like for me it seemed kind of like uh what's it called Instagram, uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> which I, I I don't really use, but it seemed like in, kind of similar to Instagram, but more like specifically focused on art and obviously like crypto and, and Web3 art and this kind of stuff. So I thought it was cool. The Instagram, by the way, um, a slight off topic, but uh, it's also an interesting story because what happens that uh, because of success of TikTok, Everybody's trying to kind of replicate it, and Instagram is dying as a an amazing medium for photo. And people okay. who used to uh, advertise and run businesses through Instagram and the photos, they, they're re- really suffering. Uh, like I have a specific example. Uh, my wife really likes uh, this specific flower store that advertises on Instagram because they get. Um, uh, like every week or so, a couple of weeks, they get uh, interesting flowers from some place, and then they advertise them on Instagram, uh, and that's how like you you find it and you can you know order yourself a bouquet or whatever. It's very very nice, and they're doing a great job. Like they're really doing a great job. Like uh, with the the flowers are always top notch and the photos are great. And, uh, now that Instagram is trying to switch more to this short video format, uh, these people actually get much less attention. Uh, and less kind of clicks, you know, that are more difficult to find there. So Instagram is actually losing this audience of, you know, photographers and people who used to make uh, uh, money from these photos. Uh, yeah. And yeah, it, it, from, from one perspective, from, obviously from the Instagram point of view, it's very profitable because short video format, uh, which by the way, I don't, I'm not sure if it exists in NFTs, like short video format. Maybe it's a startup idea here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah but uh short video is taking over the world yeah it seems to be getting like far more popular i mean even youtube i i don't spend so much time on youtube but the other day i i, I checked out some something i forget what it was uh and like immediately i noticed that on at least the web app they had like a section of short videos and this kind of yeah. stuff uh, and shorts. I was kind of yeah yeah I was surprised I mean I'd never seen it and I obviously don't don't spend too much time on TikTok uh, yeah but I guess it makes sense everyone's attention span is very like swift and and short and sharp and you need a you need a wallet video else you you lose focus <laughs> yeah it's paradoxically like uh, uh, my daughter comes to me every once in a while says uh, listen I got this uh, interesting fee for uh, cookies with blah blah I don't know what 
And I'm like, where did you get it? Like on TikTok, like how, are you, how do you manage to get a recipe from TikTok? I don't know. She, she does it. I, I, I don't really understand how, but it works. <laughs> yeah. This uh, is yeah. like all of this actually. And, and before we wrap up, because we are, are nearing the hour, this makes me think of like a question about all of this, not just about social media platforms and not just about NFTs, but the two combined. Like, how do you think that, or what do you think is the most, like, important aspect that is missing in NFTs at the moment? Great question. Yeah, I think we should ask it on Twitter and Telegram, and uh, whoever has the best answer, or I don't know what gets an NFT, an airdrop. Yeah, uh, probably. Yeah, no, but 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 it is it it actually is a, a great question, and uh, yeah, let's make a thing out of it. Let's talk about it. It's very interesting because first of all, uh, now that we have finally our NFT gallery on Beam, uh, yeah. outside of the kind of obvious issues that uh, are already in the roadmap, like royalties and all the good stuff, uh, maybe we can do something more interesting. Maybe we can do something even more innovative. So let's do it. We have uh, you know. We we cannot just talk about NFTs. We can actually do something about it. Yeah, absolutely. And and like this, <laughs> this motion was very leading. But I, my my main point was like about the privacy that's missing with most of these things, like the NFTs and and also the like social media ones that are coming in, like in Web three, where you're putting your I, I mean Twitter where you're putting your NFT like as your profile picture and this is kind of attaching it to your wallet and, and seeing everything else there. So I think it's gonna be very like interesting how that plays out and sets beam up with having like the the initial NFT like uh, how to say like set up so that people can have these non fungible tokens and also like maintain their privacy and, and like be able to have this online identity, be able to like prove that they own like proof of ownership through NFTs without kind of doxing the rest of their wallet and assets and, and how this kind of online identity can kind of thrive. And I think like it will, because this is, I, I haven't had many NFTs and, and I've always been scared to use them as like a profile picture uh, simply for this fact. Hmm. Uh, I think um, um, I think it was uh, Dima Bonder who told me once about this project. Yeah, uh, that every time you sell your NFT, it changes. So okay, basically, yeah. if it gets stolen, like, uh, you know, uh, the stolen NFT will be from the one that was, uh, you know, uh, that it was before they stole it. Yeah. Uh, so kind of in a way, you still you still have your NFT. They stole something else in a bit. And uh, I think we can do it in, in our uh, gallery as well by just kind of taking this. It obviously needs to be generative NFT, uh, which is also something that we need to support in the near future. But the idea is that you have a part of the key in your wallet and the part in the contract. And only together you have this complete seed that generates the picture. Ah, okay. This is cool. And like, there's so many, especially with NFTs, like so much of this can be done and like experimented with. Uh, and I think it's like exciting 
what's happening already and and even more exciting like what's kind of on the horizon and, and what can be done especially like you mentioned with relate with regards to gaming and these kind of things yeah so uh i think meta meta now wants to integrate in nfts now yeah meta and also instagram i think because now they're yeah. owned by meta i'm still not yeah, used yeah. to this used to this meta name <laughs> facebook <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's call it by its, by its real name, Metashmi. Uh, yeah, Facebook announced that they're going to support it. And um, so, yeah, it, it seems that, uh, you know, by the way, do you know why uh, I read this re uh, really interesting article about why Facebook is pushing this metaverse concept so, you know, aggressively? Okay. Uh, so, the idea is that you have um, kind of a battleground is like Apple, you have uh, uh, Google, you have Facebook, like all of these major companies. Mm -hmm. But Apple has uh, devices. Apple has uh, an operating system and devices. And Google also has devices and also has an operating system. And they have this search platform. And it's very yeah. difficult for Facebook to compete at this level because they don't have the platform. They are, okay. They're basically just the service. And one of the examples of that was uh, that... Uh, uh, I, I think it was like the iPhone 14 or something that kind of prohibited access to a lot of user information that was previously available to Facebook application. And it affected their uh, targeting efficiency of, of their ads. And they had a revenue drop as, a, as that because, you know, they cannot co compete without this information. And that makes sense. The reason they really want this metaverse thing to happen through them is because suddenly, if they succeed in this, uh, you know, direction, uh, they will have like a new world which will be theirs, and the, all of the information that's coming from you in their metaverse will be accessible to them, and then they can like really, you know, do all all, all the things they usually do, like uh, sell it to third parties and what what not. <laughs> Yeah, if you that if you watch that movie, yeah, I mean, very it seems very like Facebook esque to to be wanting to create a new world where they're in control and <laughs> absolutely everything, and like it is like almost literally their world. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, like it, it. I remember like seeing kind of like the metaverse or whatever they're they're creating. And like I couldn't help but feel it looked very, very boring. <laughs> this was my my initial kind of thought. You know, uh, I, I used to think that, but then uh, my wife again, she's the innovator in the family. Uh, she bought a, an Oculus. Okay, yeah. And she was playing with her friend from another country over this Oculus. Uh, they were playing, I don't remember what boxing or something like that. First okay, of all, it looks yeah. very weird. Somebody is jumping all over the place with, uh, you know, some fencing <laughs> over the head. Yeah. But uh, in terms of like engagement, it was fun. It was it was like first of all, it's a physical exercise. Uh, you know, just like step in makes you walk. This thing makes you move, uh, and and it's it's fairly interesting. So, I I can totally see the future where, uh, like, if you add more kind of uh, you know different types of experiences. To this thing like maybe it will catch up who knows 
Yeah, this is true. And and like I I must admit that I've never used like one of these Oculuses for anything uh, at all ever actually. Uh, but it, but I do very much like the the short videos of people having them on and then like jumping into a TV or throwing <laughs> a throwing throwing a racket into the TV or something like that. Yeah, it's supposed <laughs> supposed to protect you. Uh, okay, so yeah. uh, we have a, a speaker request, uh, even though we are uh, time, but let's let's uh, take it. Absolutely. Mohammed, are you there? Maybe a little slow. It says connecting, yeah. but we will we'll be patient. After all, people listen to us for an hour. Ah, <laughs> uh, it didn't work. Uh, okay, so we will try again next time with Muhammad, uh, or he will just uh, type it on Twitter and we will reply. Uh, but in any case, we will direct map. And uh, thank you very much for being with us this week. Absolutely. Thank you for joining and, and see you again next week. We will send out a, a tweet reminder on Monday tomorrow and we'll yeah. have a new topic for the next week. And let us know on Twitter or on Telegram uh, anything specifically you would like to, to have discussed or talked about. Thank you very much, Gus. Thank you, Alex, and see you mm -hmm. soon. Yeah, have a great evening. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.